where the mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast! Sorry. (laughs) Oh, no, you're good. Your horn is much more important than my introduction that most people probably know at this point. So, uh, (laughs) horn away. Wait, do I have the right microphone on? Uh, that's a good question. Um, probably something for us to check now. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. I realize that I probably don't actually. I'm sure I sound fine, but I've got a slightly finer sounding one. Excuse me. Take two. Mysteries of Gravity Falls creep into the non-animated world. This is the Gravity Bros Podcast. <laughs> See, off screen, uh, Lou already tried that once, realized that he didn't have a microphone, so this time I knew to not even try to introduce myself before he interrupted with a horn. It worked. We did it. All right. We're here. Well... My brother is feeling horny today. Hello, everybody. <laughs> We're here to talk about Gravity Falls, a TVY7 show from your favorite Disney network. Uh, <laughs> I love today... how that's the way that you describe it. So today, Lou, we're talking about Dipper and Mabel versus the future. Season two, episode 17. And if I may say, the penultimate episode of Gravity Falls. This is the last one before the finale. Yes. And uh, I don't want to say thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it, at a, I, I don't know if it's because it's probably just because we're doing a podcast but it felt like it actually took quite a while to get here <laughs> it, it, okay I, I kind of agree in my memory i sort of remember a lot more lead up to the finale just in terms of like really like tons of plot relevance they actually more so than i remember did a pretty good job of pacing this out in a way where they could still drop most of these episodes on a random day and have most people be able to understand what was going on, which I do think was intentional for what Disney probably wanted. Well said, and probably for network TV and how all that goes, probably better that way. But when we are watching it consists, because you're right, on on TV, I mean, also you're in school and time passes faster. Well, you didn't see it when you were in school, though, did you? Right, so for me, my experience was binging it. One of the very few cartoons I've ever binged is Gravity Falls. And I wonder, at least for myself, maybe, uh, binging actually made it seem like there were more plot things happening because they all did happen very quickly in the scheme of things. But when you're spacing it out and watching an episode and uh, podcasting about it week by week, you're just talking about, oh, there's one little nugget here. Then we've got uh, another important plot detail at this episode, two two more down the road. So... um, But you know what? Like, I'm kind of okay with it. I do think that this is a show that... I don't want to say it works better on a binge because I'm just so against the binge model in general. Like, I believe in the hype of building up an episode week by week. And for Gravity Falls, I think in real time, if you were somebody that was trying to solve the mystery, that was definitely the right approach. Totally, yeah. I mean, also, it gives you time to actually figure everything out, too, because that probably wasn't actually that easy a lot of the time. Right, and a lot of people really did. They sat down, they tried to get the ciphers, you know, sometimes they did it themselves, and sometimes they went to the internet and collaborated, but uh, I bet that was a time to be alive for the Gravity Falls fandom, and I I almost am jealous that I was not a part of it actively. Same. Absolutely same. Granted, I also don't think I would have... Well, I mean, no, I was kind of part of it, though, because I... I mean, the thing is, 
there was a lot going on on TV at the time. So like, unless you were really, I wasn't part of the fandom. I saw it come out live, but I wasn't like, you know, I didn't know other, I wasn't like talking with other people about it or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, But that's okay because now we have this podcast to talk about it at length as much as we can. And I'm glad we do. Uh, Let's get right into the description for this one. So cold open maple maple, obviously her name, Mabel. (laughs) Wakes up Dipper with Mr. Upside Downington, and she delivers a message to him. Uh, And I should probably clarify that this is a little sock puppet for those of you that didn't watch. Um, (laughs) It is one week from their 13th birthday, and uh, Dipper says, uh, wow, we're going to be actual teenagers. It is only one, uh, I think, week, one week until high school. So... This is interesting. I like the way that they set this up because we sort of see this sock puppet as almost being the symbolism of youth and how, oh, we're still laughing and they're having such a fun time joking about this stupid little sock puppet, you know, only to be thrust into the world of, uh, you know, teenage drama only a week away. I mean, I also think that it really well sets the tone for the emotional complexity and changing that our protagonists, Mabel and Dipper, are going through right now, um, which they've been hinting on the entire series, but it really does launch it into what it's going to be for the finale. True. And uh, we get the theme of the future right away. We see Stan walk in and he's saying, oh, in one week, my senior citizen ponytail kit will be here. And Seuss says, oh, in one week, my grandma will let me eat crackers from his bed. Wow. The future, the possibilities. Wow. Uh, The future. You know, I got to be honest. I thought it was I, I, I like I get this. I get it. I do. There's a little part of me that thinks it's kind of (laughs) lame. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. I think I might disagree with you on this one. Well, okay, wait, what part? We'll get Let into start it. There. Well, okay, so, I mean, the the thing that, just kind of the, the trope, I don't know, like, I, I do kind of get it. The way that they end up playing with, like, Dipper and Mabel's different approaches to the future, I think, makes this done well. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it's such a trope for like people on the internet to be like, oh my gosh, this album that I grew up with is as old as I am. I feel old now. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> that's how time works. You figured it out. And I feel like so many people say that. And I'm just like, it's not really so, that hard. <laughs> I can understand why you say that. I see the theme of this episode more in a dramatic way, I guess, is the death of innocence. Oh um, my God. Okay. And I like that theme. That's actually a theme that I enjoy seeing explored in fiction and sort of the shattering of, you know, childhood. And not because I like that. In fact, I am like the number one biggest proponent of trying to like bring your childhood into your adult life and, um, Shelter you know, from living world. nostalgically healthy, which is a longer conversation. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I I like seeing it because I maybe it's because I relate to it. You know, I remember being about their age and feeling like everybody else was growing up faster than I was. And the fear of, oh, my gosh, like, I can't catch up with this. Like, I miss playing, you know, with uh, with our toys. And, you know, yeah. you and I used to uh, pretend to be in these cartoon character worlds when we were really little. And yeah. it just felt like that kind of thing was you know, would have been so embarrassing to tell anybody. And, uh, you know, I just, I did not feel ready uh, for what was coming. So 
when I see this in works of fiction that I enjoy, I like to see how they go about it because in some ways it feels validating to see even characters go through something that actually affected you really profoundly at the same age. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess I just didn't, that didn't feel like it hit me that hard at any point. You know, at no point do I feel like, well, bucko, it's time to grow up. Like if anything in college, I reverted to an even more childlike state for a time period. <laughs> so like you know and then i graduated and i mean i don't know i think everyone's just faking it and that's kind of my whole perspective still. i mean i'm i'm no one to talk my solution <laughs> into adulthood was to work at disney world so uh, <laughs> yeah you did too <laughs> <See>? <laughs> uh, i don't know i think the idea of where um your childhood fits into your adult life is a really interesting topic genuinely and uh something i think about a lot because i i think that even though I feel that I have like a really healthy relationship between those two things now, I think I had a lot of growing pains to get there and definitely had some moments where I probably was not willing to grow up as fast as I needed to. And other areas where I felt like I had to grow up too fast just because of family circumstances that were happening. Um, and it all got very muddy to a point where like, you know, almost caused an identity crisis for a little while. I guess for me, it's just that like, and we'll get into this with how Dipper, you and you and I are going to have like Dipper and Mabel perspectives probably to this a little bit. Um, maybe not quite as, as, you know, like, uh, I don't know how to say this, but like in there, they're very, they're very, they like play into the, the way that they feel about it a lot. You know what I mean? Okay, you, like they're very feel contrasting. Like... Sure, very contrasting, and also, like, very forward in the way that it approaches. So yeah, we're getting like a very they, exaggerated version of what a person like that might actually feel, but yeah. it tells the story well. Yeah, exactly. Like, Mabel really doesn't want to grow up and really wants to be 12, so much so that the ending of this episode happens, um, which we'll get to. And Dipper really wants to grow up and accepting change and, like, you know, wants to pursue different opportunities in life and stuff like that, which we'll also get into. Um, and I guess it never felt that drastic to me. I never felt like there was a, well, wake up, you know, it's, it's yeah. time. It's yeah. just like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I understand. I feel like, uh, I want to say that most kids experience some amount of both of these things, probably to varying levels, depending on your personality type. Because I think that's, like, yeah. Yeah, uh, there's like part of me that for sure wanted to grow up, um, you know, just to get through the hell that was school. Um, and that started at middle school. Let me be very clear. High school was not the tipping point that ruined it. OK, we'll get into that, too, because I think when <laughs> Wendy's got a Wendy messed up. Dude, Wendy messed up in this episode. But let's, let's start this plot. Yeah. All Where right. So uh, after the camera zooms into the calendar, we pass through the cold open and it's party planning time because one week. Mabel and Dipper become teenagers, and summer vacation comes to an end, so Mabel wants to invite everybody in town, but Stan says no parties after the zombie incident. And fair. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Sue suggests renting out the Gravity Falls gym instead, uh, and that kind of kicks us off where Mabel and, or I guess just Mabel, uh, is ready to go to the high school. Um it would be Dipper as well, but there was an explosion in another in another room. Uh, Ford calls for Dipper. Uh, he's shouting that his face is on fire and he needs only Dipper's help. Um, turns out that he's fine and just wanted to get Dipper's attention. Great way to do it. I think so. Uh, so he pulls out the rift that we keep talking about 
or have been talking about for these last couple episodes. Yeah. Uh, this is the thing that Bill wants. He wants to see this thing get gets shattered, and he tells Dipper the rift is cracking, and it is exactly what Bill wants. So it could cause reality to unravel and cause an event that he calls a weird Mageddon, which yes. would probably be problematic. Uh, and because Bill would use any trick to make this happen, uh, the only way to save the world is to seal this rift. So because of how important this is, uh, Mabel decides, Dipper, it's okay. Go off, do your thing with great Uncle Ford, and uh, I'll, I'll take care of the gym thing. Uh, and she yeah. seems perfectly fine with it at the time. So I have a problem. I actually have a problem with this rift being like kind of kind of a random plot device for how well written and intentional all this show is you know what i mean like bill has been here from the beginning there's all of this stuff leading up to him he clearly is trying to plant the seeds of thought to try to get into the you know break the the hole the safety that is the mystery shack and then there's just this rift that happens to be around that's oh it's cracking because reasons why is it cracking i don't know I do think it's loosely explained in another episode, and the implication to me is that it's just so powerful that it can't be contained by worldly forces. Um, and you're right, a little so. bit lazy of a plot device, but I also understand it because you need something that can be explained very well yeah. to get where you need to go. I, I wouldn't make that criticism about any other show. It's just because Gravity Falls has been so specifically intentional with having so much, like, build up in meaning and subtleties and all this stuff and um, i mean maybe there was something that i missed too because it is a complex show um but from what i can remember it's just like ah there's just this rift that's kind of here and it's cracking don't worry about it <laughs> yeah now they do spend time at least over the last couple episodes letting us know what the rift is True. um and in this case what they need is this uh i guess unearthly tape uh that can basically just tape it up and have everything be fine so um, you know, Again, that's kind of how it, we get set up. It just doesn't, it feels like weirdly lazy for four Gravity Falls. Just those two things. But it does give us an opportunity to get into alien spacecraft for the first time in the show. And I think that is good. Yes, that is true. This is an insanely hype episode, at least when we're on Dipper's side. Yes. But before then, Gravity Falls High School. Uh, Seuss and Mabel walk in, but it happens to also be high school registration day. Uh, this oh, is no. Actually very funny to me. Wendy's there, uh, and she just starts talking to Mabel about how horrible high school is. She compares it to a teen horror movie. She says, classes get hard, your body turns against you, and everyone hates you. Um, and then she gets hassled by somebody. It's just like a very unfortunate depiction of high school. I just like, I think it was funny, but I just, like, was, is this really what people's experiences were? Because my body was way worse to me when I was an ad like like you know adolescent like 13 12 like I was a way harder time my body started kicking ass when I was in high school you know it all blends together for me it was all bad <laughs> man I had such a great high school experience you did and you also had a good experience with high school registration if I remember you got like you learned about cross country which ended up yeah. being a sport that was like really important through you and informative throughout high school yeah that was like what was that was my whole deal in high school it gave me so much meaning and I got in great shape and I had lots of friends that I really liked no cross country was fantastic everybody do cross country it's the best sport I, I just found it very intimidating was my experience. It wasn't necessarily that anybody was rude or I was uh, being warned about all these things. There was a lot of hype that I think was being built up into high school. And I'd say overall, I was more excited than unexcited, but I definitely like didn't have this amazing experience with it. I, I still found this funny. 
I mean, I thought, like, don't get me wrong, there are uncomfortable things in high school that act like, you know, you have to give a class presentation and you're nervous to stand in front of the class. Like, there was stuff like that. But I never, like, I got, like, bullied, like, hardcore when I was in elementary and middle school. That's true. And yeah. that, like, stopped happening in high school. So I'm like, yeah, this is way better. Some people have a great high school experience. It definitely uh, varies, you know. Other people like me just, honestly, my elementary experience was, I, I can guarantee you, a lot stronger than everything that came after it. Yeah, Until college, college was good. But I feel like middle school is most people's worst time. Yeah, I think that that is also true. And in some ways, that is what makes this weird because they're acting like, oh no, not the transition from middle school to high school. Where yeah. I genuinely do think people are excited to just be done with middle school, whatever that means. Totally, man. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. Who's stoked? Like, oh yeah, I want to be 12 forever. Like, no. Well, that's basically exactly what Wendy says. She's like, I would do anything to going back to being 12 years old. I'm uh, like, dude, are just, you out of your mind? She's like, so anyway, Mabel, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> and um, Mabel just bashfully says so sadly that she's there to plan her 13th birthday party, which, <laughs> you know, now just seems so minuscule, I guess, uh, compared to what she just heard. Um, so Mabel's panicking now. She calls Dipper on her walkie-talkie to say, hey... Uh, good news, we can have the party at the gym, but high school's not going to be what we're expecting. She's so sure about it. Um, and yeah. Seuss is actually really cool here, because uh, he, she can't get a hold of Dipper, and she's starting to panic a little bit. And he just says, hey, maybe it'll feel better if we send some invites to your friends. Um, and Seuss drives off with her, uh, and the marquee, as they leave, says, no escape in front of the high school. Which was pretty funny. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's very extra, but... Um, you know, I, I get it. They're making fun of how bad high school is. Well, and also there's no escape. I think more so it's just there's no escape from aging. Like, you know, there's nothing you can yes. do about it. You're going to get older. Next year's going to come. Summer's going to end. School's going to come in session again. Buckle up. You're so right. It's so much more about that. And again, that theme feeds back into the same theme I was talking about. Yeah. Where, you know, it's just this sad loss of innocence as you grow a little bit older and trying to reconcile that and what it means. But... Over where uh, Dipper and Ford are, they uh, basically are, oh yeah, that's right. They're, at this point, um, Ford is walking Dipper up to that really awesome Gravity Falls bridge that we see in so many of the pictures. And he points out to Dipper that this thing looks a lot like something. He holds up a UFO keychain and Dipper loses his mind. He's like, oh my God, the bridge looks like a UFO. And that's even before... Yeah. Ford tells him that the entire valley of Gravity Falls was formed when an extraterrestrial object crash-landed millions of years ago. Um, yeah. And this is some awesome lore, honestly, to give us the, yeah. these roots of the Gravity Falls town. This is so hype. I, I, one of my favorite things that he says, too, that's not answered, I'd like to, to add, is, like, I don't know if the UFO crashed here and it caused all these weird things to happen or if it was drawn here by them in the first place. What do you think? Um, what I want to think is that it was drawn here by them. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I'd prefer to believe. I don't think that there's any hint or indication that like the UFO planted any weird magic or anything like any weird sci-fo mumbo jumbo. Um, but it's not impossible. I mean, that would be, a, that would be an explanation if they needed one. I mean, I, I also like the idea better that Gravity Falls brought it here. I think it feeds more into the excitement and the mystery around the town. Yeah, um, I do too. If, 
if I was putting my logic hat on, I would go the opposite way. But this show, it's not like any of these things happen in real life. So I'm perfectly happy yeah. suspending my disbelief one specific way. Totally. I mean, I think that there are, there are, in my experience, I hate anecdotal evidence, but I'm going to use it here anyway. In my experience, I have been to places that attract certain, like, energies of things that happen. Man, that sounded woo-woo-y, but I really mean it. Um, so, I mean, I could see that the UFO landed, was was going there to, to investigate something, and then just con- ended up contributing to it. It's usually sure. both and, you know what I mean? That's why I yeah. think that. No, I hear you, and uh, what Dipper doesn't even know is that the UFO is literally right there in front of his feet, and he's already excited as a human could possibly be, and, you know, Ford reveals this. That'd be so sick. Well, and Ford even says as they start to climb down after they open this hidden latch in the ground, he's like, oh man, I wish that I could be like you right now and uh, have that fresh mind of having never seen this again because now i'm so used to it and i've i've gone down here for parts so many times you know i won't get into this but i definitely understand that perspective well yeah i i mean i don't think uh there's anything wrong with saying the the uh, idea i talked of just... to aliens while i was on drugs so many times that i got used to it uh i mean hypothetically <laughs> if that were anything that somebody thought they did yeah exactly but... <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the idea of I love this work of fiction so much that I would just love to be able to erase my mind from it and watch it for the very first time all over again uh, and experience the same level of hype and excitement. Yeah, um, honestly, a more legal example that you could draw from is Disney World, you know, because like Disney World has that sort of like, ah, uh, you know, first time you ride a roller coaster, first time you go on like Haunted Mansion or any of those really amazing rides, because Disney World does such an incredible job at um, environment immersion. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm sure once you've gone and been on those rides 50 plus times that it just it just doesn't hit the same anymore. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to the guy who works there, uh, you know, yeah. I, I guarantee you that in the very beginning, you know, when I was on my initial internship, yeah. There will never be anything like that first six months, the first year of uh, just utter excitement. It does start to fade. And yeah, honestly, that's the best example you could possibly give me. Because if there was one thing that I would love to just kind of be able to re-experience all over again, yeah. it was the internship that really, like, I feel like were the formative years of my life. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the same time, I think... a lot of the feeling that we get from that is nostalgia and it doesn't necessarily feel the same way in the moment. Um, I like, I I can promise you that there were all kinds of bad (laughs) memories that I probably had within that year. Oh yeah. Not experience again. We'll Um, see. And and that's what I, that's the thing that I think that this message that Dipper and Mabel are talking about actually misses is that we more glorify like times than actually like recognize how there was kind of both and at all times you know what i mean we like to look at x whatever year was our favorite year of being alive and be like that was the best year ever but you forget how many things you were stressed out about during that same time yeah but hey one good example of humans actually remembering the positive over the negative is nostalgia um and uh, i think i might have talked about this on the podcast before but i do think that like the nostalgia can make people very sad if they're just sitting there like oh the good old times it's never going to be that way again Um, but it can also like make you really excited and um 
just have a lot of love for the thing that you're nostalgic for. And in a way, like, kind of gives you an opportunity to re-experience things uh, in a really cool and healthy way if you're able to kind of just fully embrace that as a present moment experience. So, yeah. Uh, I, I saw, like, I think I saw somebody make some, like, Pokemon lo-fi music and put it to, like, you know, old gameplay from, like, one of the first three generation of games. Oh! Yeah, and the top, like, the top liked comment was, nostalgia's a hell of a drug. And I was like, that's fair. <laughs> Man, that, see, I got nostalgia just thinking about what that would look like, and I didn't even experience it, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a very pro-nostalgia person, for the record. Um yeah. Just, you know, again, I think you gotta... It's a drug uh, like any other, though. <laughs> yeah, you gotta take care of yourself with it. And, yeah, uh, everything in moderation. Even mm -hmm. moderation. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, anyway, we are now underneath this wild alien spacecraft. Um, they're looking for this alien adhesive. They're trying to find this tape that Ford is talking about. Um, and he said, well, I guess it's not really tape, to be fair. Because yeah. the idea is just they need one dollop and then they'll drop it and it sort of creates a tape-like thing. I just think yeah. of adhesive and I think tape. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's all you need to uh, seal a crack in space-time, according to Ford. Yeah. Um, Simple. And it will, it will also seal up all the orifices in your face if you were to touch it. So definitely don't do that. Yeah, that's. Uh, there are definitely moments where I question, like, you you just let a 12-year-old join you on this, like, bro, what are you doing? Dude, Ford is wildly irresponsible, actually. He really is. He really and is. I do think it genuinely comes down for, uh, to, like, being away from all of this for so long at a time where kids were just able to do way more unsafe things regularly. Um, like when, he, like when he was a kid. Yeah, because he jokes about that. He's like, "Oh, it's fine to give a gun to a kid, right?" Or something like that earlier in the show. Uh, uh, I think that still depends on where you live. Well, yeah, <laughs> but even so, the the implication being, oh, times have changed, but he wasn't here for that. So there's a lot of social norms that he doesn't fully understand. Yeah. Also, I'd like to point out that they walk past an alien skeleton, like that used to be piloting the ship. I missed that, and I'm so glad you pointed it out. Thank you. Oh, that. dude, it looked so cool. Part of me was wondering if it was supposed to look like a xenomorph, which is the species of alien from the movie Alien. Um, okay, I mean, I can see that being intentional. I Yeah. I might be wrong, but I it, I almost felt like they were kind of going for an alien vibe a little bit, just to play on some of those tropes. I was too. I for, almost forgot about this episode, and I was like, man, I'd love to see some, like, cracked face eater eggs. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, before any kind of um, actual alien encounters, we do see uh, Dipper have this uh, magnet gun that Ford has given him and is sort of, uh, we're teased with that, so keep that in mind. Um, but meanwhile, Mabel knocks on Grenda and Candy's door and uh, hands them an invitation. And just to make Mabel's day even worse, we find out that Grenda can't be there because on the last day of summer, she's supposed to go to an Austrian castle with her boyfriend, Marius. So a little Which bit of a callback there. Hysterical that they're still together. I love that. And Grenda's I love that like, they brought it she's back. She's so clingy. Like, that's funny. <laughs> I know, it's like they reminded us of uh, the, that prior moment, which is a nice way to resolve that story in a weird way. Because um, we probably won't hear about it again, but it at least canonically confirms that it still mattered. Yeah. Uh, then we have Candy, whose parents are sending her to music camp, and there's no escape. So yep. now, neither of Mabel's best friends can be there for her birthday or the last day of summer. They can't say goodbye properly, as she says. And uh, she tries to radio Dipper again, and the signal still is not working. 
I would just like to say right here, I wrote down, like, I'm sorry, Mabel. I, so much privilege. I know you're 12, but, like, this is the worst day ever. I can't have the birthday party that I want to have. Wah! I'm like, dude, I, oh. so, I so do not care about Mabel in this episode. I really don't. Oh. You're so I'm, mean. I'm just no. being honest, man. I'm like, wow, poor you. Oh, no. Dude, <laughs> I, I could not disagree with you more. Um, I just feel like this is such a human emotion. Sure, a little bit privileged, but they're still kids, for Christ's sake. Like, uh, I, it's one of those, like, I 100% relate. You're, you're feeling like your personal world is ending. You just had this amazing summer. Like, what if... Yeah. I, I you know, was just I, happy not to get my face thrown into a wall on my birthday when I was that age. All right, all right. I'll, I'll leave you to your cynicism. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. We're getting just this little piece of that Mabel storyline really quick before we get back to the alien storage facility. Um, Dipper and Ford are walking through. Ford says, oh, you can flip any switch. They, they've been busted for millions of years. Uh, and then we see a great scene of a farm just moving to the left and right, just somewhere totally different before it falls into a hole. Yeah, that's right. The farmer's like, cow, did you eat my farm? Yeah, surprised that that didn't happen earlier if Ford was uh, so willing to flip the uh, light switches, but... I know. Hey, maybe it did. It was just a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and this is about where Ford asks Dipper, hey, how much have you thought about the future? Here goes this theme again. Um... And uh, Dipper says, oh, I haven't thought about it at all, other than using my great high school GPA to get accepted to a tech college where I can learn what I need to start my own ghost hunting show. I would just like to point out, you can go to a liberal arts school that costs no money and do the exact same thing. Maybe easier. Yeah, especially if you're going for a ghost hunting show. Exactly. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, if you go to a tech college, they're going to uh, science the imagination right out of you in that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Regard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no shade. I love the sciences. Uh, um, I love them when they're not pretending to be so rigorous that you can't do it if you're not a particular kind of person. Totally. So Ford uh, says, wow, it's like talking to my younger self. If you're so sure, why put up with the drudgery of school? And Facts. Dipper says he'd love to fast forward, but he doesn't think he has a choice, which, you know, we are given that illusion. Um, Ford tells Dipper, well, I've been thinking of having an apprentice to pass my knowledge to. And he asks if Dipper would stay in Gravity Falls to become his apprentice. Um, and Dipper weirdly isn't immediately excited because I think he's still thinking kind of cerebral. Because um, he asks about, well, wait, I got to go to school and... Ford says, no, I have 12 PhDs. Like, your parents would be thrilled I, I would give you such an advanced education. Now, um, I will say, I think that is maybe a little bit not possibly true. I don't know. Like, we have never seen Dipper's parent, Mabel's parents, so, like, that might might or not might not be true. But I, I'm pretty sure legally in, in the United States, you have to send your kids to school until they turn 16 and graduate yes, so from that, sophomore that, year. That's a big roadblock. He at least would need to go to high school for a little bit. Wouldn't necessarily need to go to college. Um, and that could potentially be a viable option. I mean, I do believe that if Ford has 12 PhDs, there's a lot he can teach him. I also think that people with high degrees, uh, it can be easier to uh, over amplify the knowledge base that you have. And a more well-rounded <laughs> education is probably good if you're going that route. I mean, he said he has 12 PhDs. I think that's pretty well-rounded. <laughs> 
That is pretty good. He also had 12 PhDs 30 years ago or however long ago. That is a good point, actually. And, uh, you know, those could mean different things. It's hard to know. Yeah, a lot of uh, those textbooks are outdated. But despite all of that, Dipper is worried about Mabel. Um, Ford thinks she'd be fine with her magnetic personality. Um, Which is right. He's totally right. You know, he is right. Um, I don't want to talk about this yet. Okay. Uh, because I think that it's going to pay off later. Um, but Ford tells Dipper he, he must have felt like he was meant for something more. Um, which is, uh, I don't like when people say that, to be honest, because everybody wants to feel special. And that's a really easy way to grab somebody without them actually using the proper information to make a decision, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think everybody wants something more, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I actually think that's true. I uh, don't think people are always idealizing it, but I think that idealizing something like that too much sets a really, really high expectation that's rarely going to be realized. Um, and yeah, not those, that people should try. I was going to say, those people need to do that, though. They yeah, gotta... I mean, maybe they, they need to give it a shot, but I, I still think it's possible to aim high with expectations that don't totally debilitate you. And I, I really genuinely I think that's think a that, higher risk. I don't know if that's true. Interesting. I mean, if uh, we're thinking of, like, the people who've, like, achieved the greatest things in our society, like, in history. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of those people had some pretty huge goals. They did. And you know? I do think that you need that gear to be able to achieve those things a lot of the time. I don't think you just walk into it. And frankly, I think somebody like myself will never be one of those people because I don't have the gear to aim that high. But the reason is, is that I just think that sure, you might get there and you might make a big difference, but A, that's not even a guarantee that you're going to be happy with that accomplishment. And nah, you have to not care about it making you happy. I think that's the that's the the sacrifice. Right, exactly. You would have to have your purpose be big enough to where it didn't matter whether you were happy or not, especially because most people who go for something like that are not going to achieve that level simply because the amount of people who can is just limited. No, but um, I think any any no goal is going to ultimately make you happy, right? Everyone here has at least finished a video game or something, right? Finished a book, it's, didn't mm -hmm. give you. It's the same thing, like like literally. You probably know, gave you happiness for a bit, but you know you would hedonically adapt, and then um, for sure, yeah. Like technically speaking, I own my own business, yeah. and it's it's, it's successful. It makes me money. I don't really care though. <laughs> But you get way more utility out of approaching a goal and the amount of time it takes to reach it. And whether that is good or bad depends a lot on your perspective. And if you yeah. feel like the only way that you are going to have satisfaction is by achieving something huge, then I think that you're in for a world of hurt if that's a path that you follow, even if you get there. Because... Uh, unless, again, you, can, you, you just need to go into it knowing that it's not about you or your happiness and that whatever thing that you're trying to achieve, it's more important that it gets achieved than you get anything, than you get your own personal pleasure out of it. Yeah, you know? I think that's a great perspective. And depending on whether you are a person where that is a worthy payoff is probably whether it's worth it. And you really got to sit down and decide, do I actually believe that or not? Because when I sat down with myself, I realized... No, honestly, I want to be happy. Like, that's my preference. I don't need to achieve anything all that great because I don't care enough. Um, yeah. And if I did, it would be a hundred percent about myself. I'm too selfish for it. No, nah, I want to be, I want to communicate things. And nah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't just, for, to me, that's giving up. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's why I love our dynamic. Uh, yeah, that's, 
I don't know how you could do that. Because I would just feel like like I wasted so much of my life on so many amazing things I could have accomplished. I would rather, well, see, I don't a, feel like I wasted any time because I'm constantly accomplishing little things that not only bring me joy, but bring a lot of the people around me joy. And I just don't have as high of an expectation for what these high goals need to be. I mean, I would argue that I probably achieved a lot of goals that a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to achieve. That's true. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, you gotta you gotta stop, right? You gotta retire or whatever. Right. I mean, but and I guess I, don't I just I don't want to retire until I'm really tired. Yeah, I, I I think just a lot of the things that I got to, I learned over time. They were things that I wanted. I didn't know that I wanted them right away, and I sort of just followed certain paths. And part so, of that's luck. Part of but it's if privilege. you were if you're a twelve year old though. I mean, I, I take this internship. I don't know about anybody else. Okay, actually, that's a great point because this is not just any internship. Dipper has now been exposed to a world of unknowns and mystery. And he knows yeah. this stuff is very legit and real. And he's with the number one person who knows the most about it. Uh, so you are not going to get any better than that. No, no, that that is that is exact. Dipper, that is literally, that that is essentially... That'd be like if Alec had Walt Disney walk come from the grave or his frozen ice chamber or whatever and walk up to him personally and be like, you, sir, are who I want to replace me as the CEO of Disney World or like be our head Imagineer. You know what I mean? Right. See, head Imagineer would be way more appealing than uh, CEO of the company to put yeah, that out there right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know you don't uh, want to be a business owner. <laughs> but even, no, but to be fair, a lot of people think like that and they don't even know, right? When I was a kid, that is what I wanted. I'm like, wow, I could be the CEO of Disney. I could be the Walt Disney. And now I'm like, that sounds horrible because oh, yeah. you're 12. You know, you don't actually know what goes into that. I've known now more than ever that I hate business and don't want to be involved with like business decisions in any capacity, whether that is yeah. Disney or anything else. Um, but I wouldn't I, have known it then. See, I don't like business, but I like things that give me the most amount of freedoms and owning your own business happens to give you a lot of freedoms. Uh, that, that is true. Um, and it's for you, not for me. <laughs> um, but even so, Dipper's decision, again, it's more about Mabel. And he also feels like he's not cut out for it with all the mistakes that he makes. Um, which is also unfair because you've got to make mistakes to get where you go. But yeah. uh, in that process of him saying that sentence, he accidentally finds the adhesive that they are looking for. Um, but not before they hear a sound. Ford thinks that they have reactivated the security system by accident. And in come some security droids. Um, can I say, just tiny little thing, I'm yeah. disappointed that we got droids and not actual aliens. Same, 100%. This was I, your chance, Gravity Falls. We could have gotten real, actual, live aliens, and I really wanted them to go that route. Maybe they had a good reason for not. Not to mention the droid designs are super lame. Like, I didn't even remember these were in the show. They're just circles of glass. Yeah. Um, I, I do agree that the designs are not that interesting and it could have been a little bit more exciting. Uh, yeah. I still love the idea, but, uh, yeah, we could have gone with actual aliens. Come on. Uh, unfortunate quirk with these security droids is that they respond to fear, which is kind of a hilarious plot device. Also, what kind of dumbass alien has, like, <laughs> what? You just made it so that any that doesn't get stressed in the heat of danger, it's totally going to be able to walk into your thing and mess up your stuff. Like, what were you thinking? Yeah, no, I guess that's true. Um, Ford asks Dipper to just breathe and control it. Also, not something that 
a person can just turn on. Totally unreasonable no. to ask that of anybody. At any Come point. on, 12-year-old, just breathe. You'll be fine. Oh, by the way, if you get anxious, they'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Breath control can be a very powerful tool when you are well practiced in it. Uh, but I don't think that this is a moment where you can just pull it out of nowhere and... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, man. I know you could do it, Dipper. Don't worry. You'll be fine. Like, this is why Ford is so irresponsible. Like, he yeah. does actually think too highly of Dipper, genuinely. I like, agree he, with that. He really he does. He is still a 12 year old. Dipper has actual, like, realistic expectations of his Dude. own abilities, and Ford does not. Low key, I like when that, when this scene happened, I actually had a moment where I was like, wait a minute. Did Bill Cipher, like, possess him? <laughs> oh. You know, which, it which actually... he didn't. But, like, I just, I thought, like, this is so responsible, irresponsible. Did I, like, forget this, that, that Bill is, like, actually him right now? There's no way an, an adult as smart as him would make these decisions. Oh, well, no, he Ford, did. he does have a lot of, like, moments in this episode where you think, this guy might be a villain. Yeah! Because um, it, it does, it really genuinely sounds like... Uh, he's trying to persuade Dipper into some path that is, like, really dangerous. And, yeah. But it's really just him being himself. So, sorry. Dude, just... I, I think, I'm guessing Julian's down. <laughs> I know, Oppy. That's, that's not a cool thing for him to do. <laughs> and now I'm here alone. All right, Gravity Falls fans. So the next thing that happens is, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So, uh, essentially, Ford, Grunkle, whatever the guy's name is, Stanford, yeah, that's it. Stanford, uh, you know, notices that Dipper is not, in fact, calming his breath. He tries his best, but it doesn't succeed. Shocker. And uh, one of the droids goes to uh, attack Dipper, and uh, Stanford jumps in the way and or, uh, take takes it instead. And then he gets captured and starts being dragged away to a high security prison, essentially. Wow. Or probably, I should say. Look at you filling in for me while I had to deal with a dog thing. Yeah, let's go. I remembered the plot this time. <laughs> Lou driving the narration. I'm so proud of you. What happens next? Um. So, okay. So actually, as I was saying, do we, we don't actually know where the droid is bringing him. Um. And I did think that was kind of cool that like, yo, if Dipper had just let him go, he might've gone to some high-tech alien security prison and that would have been pretty sick. That is a really good point. It would have been interesting to know what the ultimate plan was. And it wasn't even really a plan because these droids were programmed to be able to take an intruder to this place, right? Yeah. So for all we know, the planet's not even there anymore. There's a lot of unknowns. Oh, yeah. Man, that would be such a cool spinoff to see them go there, like take the magnet gun and like attach a, you know, high secure, like a, like a high tech camera to see where it went. But yeah, anyway, so it doesn't go there. It starts to go into space. And uh, Dipper, uh, with his magnet gun, attaches himself to it as it's about to leave. It just starts pretty much banging on it like he would an old computer if you were a frustrated old man. And uh, <laughs> it actually stops it from going into space. Good job, Dipper. Yeah, it works. Um, and I, I think, oh yeah, because after it crashes, he even threatens the droid with the magnet gun. And that works because apparently he was showing pure confidence and no fear at that moment. So the droid just deactivated itself. Which I would just like to say, after they literally just crash landed from the sky and he was all bloodied and bruised and holding a gun up to this ship, even with all that confidence, there is no way your breath rate was that calm after all that happened. Impossible. I totally agree. <laughs> so I, look, I wouldn't poke this much fun at Gravity Falls. It's just because it tried to be so, so, so 
like tightly written that it's so much easier to see those little things you know absolutely uh we're trying so hard to uh i guess make the narrative work at the end of the day and it needs to yeah, yeah. um but it's also to push this wow dipper you know because ford even asks and how many other 12 year olds could do what you just did <laughs> and well as we just said none because he couldn't even done it Right, right. Well, it's forming his narrative for him, though. And it's trying yeah, to be like, is. wow, I am this good. So I should go ahead and abandon whatever plans I had to pursue it. And I'm not necessarily saying that college is the path for everybody. I think finishing high school or at least getting through your legally required amount of high school is probably not a bad idea. Eh. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think every I, life is I, an interesting one. But Ford is still trying to push him to do something that he may not be ready for. And I think that that's the important thing to actually take away. Well, um, I think the big takeaway is just because you show that you're talented at something doesn't mean you have to do it. Um, that is such an excellent point. I had to learn that lesson, like, a really hard way a couple times. Totally. Um, just because, you know, I used to be really good at music. So I felt like music was my only path. Yeah. And it and even Disney for a while. Oh, I know that I love Disney. I know that I'm good at what I do here, so I don't want to leave. And um you forget that once in a while you can take a different tra trajectory. It is possible to change the course. Um but you're yeah. so used to being good at something that it's like, well, I'm already good at this. Um I'll just keep I doing it. Yeah. Just keep doing it. And yeah. uh it stops you from taking risks sometimes. Exactly. Granted, could... this would be a risk. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. But uh you can always get good at other things. Like, everybody who grows up really tall is told their whole life, wow, you should play basketball. And they <laughs> never hear the end of it. And it's like, you know, not every tall person has to be a basketball player. I don't know if you knew this, but... Yeah, nor would they be able to pursue that professionally. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, nor is that even the... Yeah, the NBA is pretty exclusive, bud. That's right. So, uh, anyway, meanwhile, Stan walks into Mabel's room, and he asks her if everything's all right. Uh, and she basically tells him she's in no hurry to start the train wreck that is high school, which I get, but you're already in the train wreck that is middle school. Just to reemphasize that again. Wait, do you mean Dipper? Um, uh, no, this is, uh, this is Mabel. Cause, uh, Stan walked in to talk to, um, oh, Mabel. I meant Dipper instead of Stan. I forgot which part we were at. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he says that, or Stan says, just cause, uh, you're growing up doesn't mean you have to fully grow up. Like I'm almost 70 and I still eat ice cream for dinner. See, um, I have his perspective. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, age is just a construct. Like, you could, you have fun as long as you want. It's just, you know, just like, don't hang on to it if you're done with it naturally. Is more the the mentality, you know? Yeah, I I think you're right there, and I think Stan is right there. Uh, I, you know, I think this is a lesson that I have to learn. It's, um, or I had to learn when I was younger. It's like. Nobody is forcing me to grow up except for myself. You know, I, there are natural things that you do need to be able to grow up with, right? You know, yeah. you need to learn some lessons. You need to. I think um, it's healthy for everyone to have a significant rite of passage and coming of age experience, like a ritual. Um, and I think graduating from high school does that for almost nobody. Interesting. Yeah, you feel. Yeah, actually, I, I would totally agree with that. I think for me, it probably came a little bit afterwards. Totally. Um, mine came from experiences I can't talk about in college. <laughs> yeah, well, and mine came from experiences I can and have talked about in college. So yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah, I, I agree that it's different for everybody. Um, 
But anyway, you know, Stan, you, maybe he's not the best example of a role model all the time, but once in a while he has some good advice, and I think that uh, this is this is good. Um, not enough for Mabel right now, because she doesn't want to say goodbye to Gravity Falls. Um, Stan at least says, whatever happens, you'll still have your brother through thick and thin. Not everyone can say that. And wah, that makes wah. her feel better <laughs> for a second. <laughs> yeah. It, she, I think she says, old reliable dipper. Uh, and sees her walkie-talkie blinking. So we know that this emotion does not last long. Now, I know that this is like Mabel's arc, but I, I still couldn't hear just my internal me being like, okay, here we go. Here comes Mabel to learn that, oh no, maybe. It's like, yeah, life changes. You're probably going to go different ways when you grow up, and that's okay, you know? Yeah, I mean, so how do you feel about the fact that Maybe maybe I'm skipping ahead here, but that Dipper, in theory, could be leaving Mabel behind, quote unquote, to go pursue this new thing. I think if Mabel really loved Dipper, she would tell him to pursue his dreams. Simple as that. Yeah, and I think it's hard because they're twins, too, and that's a whole nother level of closeness. Um, and I guess it so. is going to be hard. She's not going to have anybody and she would have to start from scratch. And that would be difficult. I mean, honestly, if I were Dipper, I don't know what I... Well, I know what I would do because I know I would be legally required to go back to high school. Yeah, um, I, well, I mean, if I... If, if Pretending that wasn't a thing and you could actually just go with him, uh, you know, like fictional reality. Like, dude, I would have no sense of guilt whatsoever to anyone. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, right? We're three years apart, but I didn't really feel any guilt leaving to go out to college while you were still at home i, I like, didn't feel like you should have felt any guilt i know so maybe it's different because they're in the same grade and they have historically done all of these things together it could be that i, I could um, see it feeling now let's let's look at the backstory that we got from the stands right yeah i could see how how bad it would feel if like you know, Dipper ended up being this really prominent scientist and went out and did all these amazing things. And then Mabel just stayed at home and like took care of her family. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I could see how that might build an emotional tension um, because it feels like one person dedicated their lives to their family while the other person just ran around and pursued all of their fantasies. Well, and that is a really good point. And I can see that perspective from Mabel because she was part of all this too. You know, yeah. she loved this summer. She was part of the mystery. And it would feel a little bit like, oh, I didn't get to stay. Like, what the heck? Why do you get to go? I have yeah. to be the one who goes and grows up the normal way. That's actually yeah. a really reasonable perspective. I'm glad we talked this through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think still that it's better to let people pursue their best lives. Um, but I don't also think that there's no such thing as like, no responsibility. I don't know. Family responsibility is tough. Just because like, you don't, I don't think that anyone owes anything to their parents just because they were born. You know what I mean? 100%. Like, you know, you were born out of a compulsion to breed. Congratulations. You don't owe your parents crap for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> if your parents yeah. treated you really well for 18 years, maybe you owe a little, little bit to them to like, at least be nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Sure. Um, but beyond that, like how much you feel you are like, you know, you, are responsible for like taking care of them when they get old and start to die. Um, I think that just has to do a more with your relationship and internal sense of thing. I don't think there is an inherent um, like 
I don't think there's an inherent responsibility that comes from re- from relation in that regard. Yeah, that's really interesting. Honestly, I would almost be interested to learn more about that from like a scientific perspective. Yeah. Just because there are a lot of animals that, well, actually, I don't even know that's for sure. But I do know that like culturally, there are a lot of places where um, it's considered pretty normal, like part of the life cycle to be yeah. born, you know, spend time with your family, and then you take care of uh, the elders when they pass. Yeah. And um, I think in America, that's definitely not a cultural norm at this point no. in time. No, America's like, forget about you as soon as you're not part of the workforce anymore. <laughs> right. So, but I think that in terms of it being an actual obligation, might depend, honestly, it might be an anthropological thing in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, that's um, how I would want to study it. Just to see how like, you know, I, I surveyed, I already see the study. We looked at 150 societies and how they treat their elderly and did a comprehensive study about, uh, you know, which people think of elderly care as a, you know, where do they rank it on their uh, societal values list and stuff like that. Right, well, it makes you wonder like, <clears throat> see for Americans, I think that a big question is how the elderly treated them. And some cultures might totally ignore that and just accept it as familial responsibility. But see, Whereas- I never like that because how, how you were treated is never how you should treat someone else. Hmm, okay. Like, yeah, I think that's true. Because then you're just perpetuating whatever negative cycle pissed you off. You know what I mean? That's true, too. God, this is actually a fascinating conversation. Like, sociologically, um, anthropologically. Um, Yeah. Maybe one that we can have another time later. Because, honestly, I don't want to say anything that I regret on this one. Just because I'm not properly researched on the topic. Yeah. Um, See, I'm I'm so down to just go unhinged and say a bunch of offhand stuff about things I probably have no business talking about. (laughs) Well, that's okay. We do that too sometimes. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody, make sure that you watch the uh, the uh, the other podcast that we're doing because we're going to continue that indefinitely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Expedition Cartoon, where we talk about whether we would live in cartoon worlds. Yeah. yeah. If you enjoy the sociology type conversations that we have here, that yeah. is definitely a podcast you would like. Yes. Um, yes. And it is up. You can watch episodes or listen. Yeah. So with all of that said, Ford tells Dipper that this is... This town is a magnet for things that are special, and that includes both of them. Again, that sounds like a villain line to me. That does sound like a villain line. But it's a villain Uh, line that would get me excited. (laughs) (laughs) It is is effective. Um, And Ford again asks, hey, come on, be my apprentice. And this time Dipper says yes, and Mabel hears it through the walkie-talkie. Oh, no. Um, And then we immediately montage to Dipper walking into the bedroom. Says he had the best day of his life. Mabel is just a shell of herself like falling apart um you know and even though she hears the words ufos are real i saved grunkle ford's life all she cares about is what she heard that dipper is leaving or rather staying um and he admits that it's true yep uh he says it's a huge opportunity for him meanwhile mabel had the worst day of her life she realized that summer is over and this phase of her life is over really and now he's going to be leaving her too and everything is going to start from scratch um and hey but then she's gonna start having real problems for the first time i'm excited well i say uh the real problems will happen with or without dipper let's be honest you know no i i mean like as a result of what's about to happen she's gonna create real problems oh now that is (laughs) could not be any more true okay um so Dipper says, oh, come on. Like, I won't be gone forever. I'll visit. We can chat online. I feel like it's not the best pitch. No, not a good pitch. Didn't um, let her down and, easy. 
so yeah, now Mabel's in this mode of she just wants summer to last forever. This has been the best summer of her life. And this place has been really good to her. She made all of these friends and it just feels like it was too short. You know, it was just one little summer. Um, I get that feeling. That that sucks. It does. It does. Uh, and Dipper tells her, Mabel, things can't stay frozen this way. I'm sorry. Like, things change. And he's right, but maybe, right. like, not the best time to share it. Because um, she runs off, sadly, and grabs her bag, or so she thinks her bag. I'm not going to fault Dipper for that. He was just being real. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm not never going to fault somebody for just being honest. Because Yeah, uh, he is right. Yeah, because he's right. He really is. Like, come on, Mabel. Like, I, I am, you know, I, that's exactly what I would have said. Like, I'm sorry, but, you know, I can't not pursue this. You know, this is, like, my dream. We can't, yeah. you know, we can't just stay like this forever. We got to move with the times. And it's better that we figure that out now. That's right. Uh, so we see Mabel sitting sadly in the forest. She wants party chocolate to make her feel better, but it turns out, oh no, I took Dipper's bag by accident. It's got his pens and a nerd book. And as she is no. crying and wishing that summer could last forever, a mysterious voice tells her that may be possible. And, uh, you know, that's a voice of a voice actor we don't particularly care for anymore, but the character happens uh -huh. to be Blendon Blandon, the time traveler from season one. As well as, ironically, Rick and Morty and Lemon Grab. Terrific. So he says, hey, maybe it's against the rules, but once you did a favor for me so I can return the favor. Uh, we know it wasn't really a favor that uh, Blendon was imprisoned for this and hates both Dipper and Mabel. Yep. Um, and he talks to her about a thing called a time bubble, which prevents time from going forward. Uh, Summer and Gravity Falls can last as long as she wants it to. Uh, which logistically doesn't even make sense. And yeah. I'm disappointed in her for not realizing that. Well, there was a Twilight Zone episode where uh, there's this place that these astronauts flew to. And when they crash landed there, they found all of these human beings like frozen, you know? And they're like, what the heck is going on? And then they ended up meeting a guy who turned out to be a robot that said, this is actually where people pay to have their souls frozen in time so that they can be at the peak of happiness for the rest of eternity when they die. Whoa, I forgot all about that episode. Right? It was a but good one. I would say that even if that's what this is, I don't think that's exactly what Mabel's looking for. I don't um, think so either. <laughs> and she was just so willing to trust this guy who she really screwed over just in this fit of sadness and i gotta say it is kind of in character for mabel we have kind of seen her be impulsive and make these mistakes in the past but this totally. is about the biggest one that she could possibly make yeah um because blendon blandon says oh yeah i can do that but all i need is a gizmo from your uncle and he shows a holograph of what the rift looks like and unfortunately because mabel grabbed dipper's bag it just so happens to be yeah. in there outside of the safe zone that was kind of keeping yep. them uh, safe from Bill Cipher in the first place. So, and Dipper, so we get the reveal. We do. Uh, inside, Dipper sadly walks up to Ford because he's sad that Mabel didn't take it well that he's leaving. He's wondering if he's making the wrong decision. But Ford says, well, right now we just need to focus on the mission. I've got glue. Just need the rift. Um and that's when Dipper realizes that he has Mabel's backpack and we flash back to the forest where she pulls out the rift and hands it to Blendon Blandon, who, you know, again, they betrayed him. It's already a bad idea to give it to this guy. I know, it's not, right? 
even blended in control. It is, in no. fact, Bill Cipher that has taken over his body. In the transition, where Blendon Blandon's eyes just get all yellow and messed up and reptilian looking, and then it's Bill Cipher just leaps out of his body. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to see. You're getting what's coming to you, Mabel. Grow up. No, I'm just <laughs> Yeah, she's got to grow up real fast here, honestly. I know, right? Trauma really does it. This has to be worse than high school. Come on. That's what, that's what, well, see, that's why I was saying everyone's rite of passage that makes you feel like an adult is different. Like, I guarantee you, Mabel and Dipper are going to be the most mature kids at whatever school they're going to after this experience. I think that's fair. Um, cause Bill immediately, uh, after Mabel realizes, oh, no, 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 uh, just snaps and she passes out. Um, and that's right before he pulls himself out of Blandon's body. Um, it really is such a creepy sequence. Um, and we hear Bill say, at long last, the gate between worlds has opened. The event one billion years prophesized has come to pass. The day has come. The world is finally mine. Yay! He... <laughs> Hooray! Cheers! Hooray! Uh, and he flies into the sky as a rift opens from the dark red sky. And we see Gravity Falls citizens start to look concerned. Dipper and Ford run outside and Dipper is like, oh my God, what is that? And Ford realizes we're too late. It's the end of the world. And we lead into our finale, Weird Mageddon. Okay, so I will say that when I originally watched this, my hands were on my face and I was like, oh no, 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 no. But I'll be honest, re-watching it, I was like, yay, we're here. Let's go, Bill Cipher. woo yeah, um, and it's just pretty I lo- funny. I love that the end credits are just the Mabel and Dipper's 13th birthday flyer rustling in the wind, all creepy and quiet. Oh no, there was the sound of screaming too. Oh man, well I missed that a little bit. Um Yeah, there was screaming way. in the distance from the from the rift being open. Once again, I loved it. The death of innocence, I'm telling you. Uh yeah. love the theme. And uh yeah, that that sets us up, man. Um I, I will say there's a little bit more in Journal 3 about, uh, oh no, Bill is here. Uh, they take a couple pages before they end up getting to what happens next. But can I be 100% honest with you? Yeah. Please. The reason that I have been having a hard time following the author stuff in Journal 3 and why I haven't necessarily like brought up as many things is it's all written in cursive. Can you not read cursive? I can read cursive, but cursive makes my ADHD brain, like, easily lose focus somehow because I'm not used to reading that way. And I just, I get distracted. I'm like, I can't keep reading this. Uh, That's so funny. I, I always it's write cursive. I had a, man, I wish I could talk about my life more. Oh, well. I write in cursive. These sections are really not adding that much detail to what we didn't already see on the show at this point. We were getting more interesting tidbits when it was Dipper writing in the journal. True. Because he was giving us like little Easter eggs that we weren't seeing on screen. I think Ford has a little bit of that, but I haven't found anything that's been worth mentioning. Like there was there was an entry in the mind reading episode about Dipper's thoughts, but I, I still felt like what we saw on the screen, that list of things that popped up was more interesting than the journal totally. itself. Totally. Um, and I mean, I say it again... I would say that the most interesting stuff in the journal is stuff that we won't talk about on the show because it's all like 
pre-Gravity Falls. It's that full storyline that you get beforehand. And we've dab dabbled a little bit, but I really, you know, if people have an opportunity to uh, get their hands on a Journal 3 or even find copies of it online, um, I really recommend reading the proper story because I think it's interesting. I agree. It's, it's, a, it's something you can read from beginning to end. It's really great. Uh, what about the mystery plaque, my bro? Uh, what are so, you thinking for your points? I gave two to Dipper for being just awesome consistently. He saved someone's life by using a magnet gun to attach to a spaceship. Pretty awesome move. Um, and I gave a point to our boy Bill Cipher for showing up and stirring it up at the end. Okay, I like it. Um, I differed a little bit this time. I also did give two points to Dipper, um, because you're right, strong Dipper episode. He did pretty much everything right. I don't even blame him for kind of wanting to leave. In fact, there's some world where you could even still argue that it's the right idea to go along with Ford's idea and become his apprentice. Totally. Um, he is young, things can change, but, you know, I don't know. This is as mystical as it gets you're not gonna find yeah. another opportunity like this oh my gosh yeah dude I, I would absolutely if some crazy fantasy portal opened and they're just like hey come here be like well that's good enough for me yeah yeah and i think a lot of mabel's frustration with him is not even his fault it was just there was no signal he was trying hard to be a good brother get the signal he never yeah. did anything that i thought was actually a problem nah. um but I gave one to Mabel, and I know that you didn't like Mabel this episode, but I personally related to her, and I felt for her. I think growing up is really hard wow. sometimes, and I just, I want Mabel to have a point because she's sad, and I wanted to have that. Wow. But, yeah, That's I guess giving stupid. one to Bill's no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I want to take, take away Bill's point so that I can revoke yours from me. No, I'm just kidding. Instead, just give a negative one to Ford. He was just terrible in this episode, I think. Dude, he was pretty bad. He he was very thoughtless that whole time. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking there. But Mabel literally caused the end of the world. Yeah, okay, that's true. That's pretty, like, worthy she of losing. She literally... <laughs> Dude, you know what's so funny? Every per every kid growing up, you can tell them, like, oh, your problems aren't the end of the world. Oof. Mabel. <laughs> no, I, got a, I got some bad news. <laughs> Dang, that's good. Uh, but, <laughs> counterpoint, Bill Cipher also is causing the end of the world. Yeah, but that's in his favor. He's supposed to be doing. He succeeded. He's Fine. pursuing his goals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill Cipher. How did you feel about like the hedonic adaptation of your goal setting? Like, did you feel like uh, it was worth it? The path here was it hard? Did you have Dude, a good time? Low key though, Bill Cipher would get so bored immediately. He would he would enjoy that for like a couple days at best. Imagine yeah. if he just like totally won and destroyed Dipper and everybody. And that was it. He'd be like, well, I guess this is eternity now. Well, this sucks. And that's that. Yeah. And that's that. <laughs> well, he wasn't bro, really thinking. I am very excited because I think this is perhaps the biggest moment of Journal 4 so far. Uh, we obviously have to talk about our feelings about the existence of aliens. So, you know, we actually did talk about aliens one time. Uh but we did it in the context of like, at least the way I answered was in the context of like multidimensional beings, like the way that uh, indigenous Americans believed in the star people. Okay. Uh, I'm glad that you have a better memory of what we've already talked about, but I don't think that we've talked about like alien spacecraft and the fuzzy images from the sixties and uh, yeah, stuff like that. 
thinking about today. And I think that tends to be people's favorite topic when it comes you know, to mysteries. We did, because remember, I saw a UFO, like, while we well, were ha- watching these. Right. But, uh, and, and that's its own story. I don't remember what episode it was in. I don't um, either. But I, I still think that that was more of an afterthought. It was like, hey, Lou saw a UFO, so we need to talk about this, whether it's in Journal 4 or not. Um, Fair. This is the time to talk about whether we really think aliens are real. I'm, ha- I'm here to talk about it a second time, even if we already did, because it's one of the best discussions you could have. Um, in short, like, yeah. Uh, I, I saw a really interesting interview with... Um, shoot, what's that guy's name? I just had it in my head. He was somebody who was a scientist who worked in Area 51 um, and documented, like, like testified to, you know, actually seeing UFOs and work, actually working on them, working on one that crashed, uh, working on different, you know, UFO uh, things that had been retrieved over many years. And it, uh, in, in that interview, he said at one point that the uh, Bob Lazar, um, in that interview at one point, he said that uh, when he was working there, he saw all of the warehouse doors in the place that he was working all opened at the same time. And that was when he actually noticed that there were like five or six different spacecraft that different scientists were working on. So I don't mean to discount this, but when I hear stories like this, I think my hardest thing is that it is relatively easy to just make up an anecdote um not to you're say right happen but it is it's an easy thing to do like anybody could lie totally um i will say if i sent you this interview i think you'd be really interested in it because uh you know it's one of those things where like there's tons of you know like he was a documented worker like you know he, he had all of his id he was he has government clearance checks like he you know he worked for the company there are tons of co-workers that are like yeah i worked with bob lazar he mm-hmm. was a f- physicist and did all the things that he said he did it was a pretty Loctite story from what I could tell. And there have been um, a lot of stories coming out recently where, um, you know, even people who have worked with the government are saying they've seen things and they want to fund investigations to show what has been found. There's a, It's actually a hot topic right now in terms of the idea of alien spacecraft. Apparently, if you ask most pilots that literally like fly planes for a living, like most pilots have at least a story. Um, my friend Ryan is a pilot. And uh, I actually asked him, because uh, yeah. he became a pli- pilot not that long ago. He's still pretty young. Um, and I asked, oh, have you ever seen one? He's like, so I haven't, but there's a lot of the older folks who really swear by it that they have. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, he, you he remember, was... oh, I, can't, I shouldn't name them publicly, but you had a friend in high school whose dad was a pilot. Do you remember that? I do. Yes. Okay. Dad asked him. And he and said, he... yeah, too. No. He said he got really serious, and he's like, I genuinely cannot tell you any of that. Oh, I think I remember that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, when it comes to these kinds of things, um, for there's a couple things that we're talking about, right? The first thing is going to be alien spacecraft itself, whether there have been unidentified flying things that maybe at this point our government or certain governments don't know what they are, and maybe they crashed, maybe they didn't, but they were unidentified and they were in the air. I think that's basically a 10 out of 10. Like, I think it's almost indisputable at that point that that has happened in many occasions. Yeah, Um, that's pretty real. You know, and uh, the government has basically admitted it at this point. Yeah. 
not basically they have admitted it they've said yeah uh you know there are you know unidentified objects that we have found yeah i think it, that yeah that's true there have been official like disclosures actually in the covid bill of 29 of 2020 for the united states um they lumped some ufo disclosure in that so that nobody would notice and you can look this up online everybody i'm not yeah, i'm not making common this up. practice for bills they, yeah, they that, like that's to a, lump a lot of thing. things in the bills that pass but yeah and i read it i read the whole document and it was incredible yeah i mean it's obviously incredible. it's really interesting so i think that the second question becomes if there are the the same if there are is spacecraft and we don't know what it is maybe it's disc shaped uh maybe it's something else what is the likelihood that that has been driven by aliens or that they found a way to visit in some other capacity aliens referring to you know a, a species from outside of this earth i would say broadly totally um well i also want to say that it's like it's like confirmed that there is life outside of the earth um, because we've seen asteroids that have bacteria and like other microbiological life. Um, and it's actually one of the greatest theories of how li li uh, life started on earth, because that's how we got most of our fresh water was from asteroids. Um, because you know, there are ice pockets, it freezes, it stays, you know, carbon locked in there. And then it, boom, we have water. Um, and there's a lot of times bacteria that's found in the water. Uh, sure. And I would say that uh, in my research, you know, I, I took an astronomy class. So far for me to be an expert. Totally. Um, but yeah, neither of us have any idea what we're talking about. <laughs> the astronomy professor uh, was able, I mean, he, he basically explained that a lot of astronomers, probably more, most of them even, would say that it's almost unlikely that there is not any other life in the universe just because of how the sheer volume of planets and yeah. the can now granted it would still be rare because he basically gave us a bunch of statistics and was like um here are all the conditions that it would require for a planet to uh have this and have carbon-based you know, life is the important caveat there right so and then we're also talking intelligent life and um that i think is where there's much more disagreement it's like a lot yeah. of people will tell you it's maybe not intelligent life, but some kind of life that maybe who knows could develop that way or could have at one point. See, um, yeah. Cause I'm more about, I more think that it's like a multiple dimension kind of thing. Cause all my alien experiences, cough, cough have been uh, like not like outside of that one UFO that I saw. It's all seems to be like, like uh, yeah, there's no way to talk around that, but parallel, parallel dimension stuff. I don't know. <laughs> sure. I mean, so, and that's what gets a little bit interesting, right? Because if you think about it, um, we're starting to ask the question now, okay, maybe there is a decent chance that there's life out there. Maybe even a solid chance of intelligent life, I think is not the farthest leap because of how many planets there really are. Yeah. Um, maybe they don't and, even have physical forms the way that we see them. Right. But then it comes down to, okay, if that's the case, how do they get there? Right. The, how, or how do they get to us? What's the next step? The third question, how would the aliens arrive to Earth? And then that's when we talk about spacecraft and stuff. But if it's so far away, it would need to have something fast enough to get here past the speed of light, probably because of how yeah. far it is. And that's Assu harder assuming, to accept. Yeah. Uh, I think that I don't know. See, my whole deal with like stuff like that is that the physics it, it seems like that that is like, oh, well, it has to be going faster than the speed of light. 
And I actually think that that's just something that we say because of our our knowledge about physics. But it could there could be a million other things that it could possibly be that we've never even thought of. True. You know. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think that it's hard to rate specific things. Um. I what I would like to rate would be physical creatures that are outside of the planet Earth that were able to travel here. I think that's what I want to rate from a zero to 10. So what, so they have physical bodies. Yes. That you can touch with your hands and they traveled in a spaceship. Yes. Could they have teleported or do they have to have like flown? No, I think teleportation would be on the table. In fact, I think it would almost have to be on the table because the, Honestly, in some ways, that makes more sense than beating the speed of light. Granted, you well, don't actually, know how many years of intelligence that some other planet could have. We're relatively young in the scheme of the universe. Also, my friend, uh, my friend who who's a physics guy, uh, told me how. Uh, so you know, you know, relativity and why the speed of light is considered like the speed limit of the universe, so to speak, right? I, you know, I actually have heard it, but I could not fact check it right now. All right, so really, basically. You, the way that I perceive you is with light, right? Mm-hmm. Light is the fastest thing that we can measure traveling. We don't see anything that's faster than light, right? Um, and thus, when I see you, I'm actually not seeing you in real time. I'm perceiving you at a different time than you're like, it's super, 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 super fast, right? right. Um, like, so thousands and thousands of thousands of miles per hour. But um because of that, that's why the light is traveling faster because what I'm seeing is light bouncing off of you and transmitting to me, right? Um, so if you went faster than light, so if I'm walking away from you faster than light, I would just disappear because you would actually not be able to see the transition because I'd be outpacing the light that it would take to bounce off of me to see me. Yeah, really well explained. Yeah, so it, going past the speed of light, in terms of simply physically perceiving something is like teleportation. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're not experiencing time. I'm sure time dilation is a thing. Um, and as far as we know, humans can't travel past the speed of life, light because our uh, physical matter wouldn't be able to maintain it. But theoretically, if you could create a device that you could put something inside of that could travel past the speed of light, that the thing on the inside, which also based on theory of relativity makes sense because of momentum and relative momentum, um, it should be able to travel through space without compromising the thing on the inside, assuming that you can keep the outer layer from being damaged. Okay. There's also wormhole theory, which I don't know enough about to. Yeah, that might be related to, I don't know. Could be. Well, I'm sure it's all um, related, technically. Technically, theory of relativity to everything's relative. <laughs> so, honestly, t- the universe is just so freaking big with so many possibilities and so many unknowns that I I don't want to totally rule it out. Um, you know, I think the likeliest thing would be if there is another intelligent life out there that they've just been around for way, way, way longer and had time to develop technology, potentially with resources that we don't have. And they would have somehow over time found a way to do that. And we're nowhere close. Um, Life is weird. I mean, maybe it even happened faster than us. I mean, you never know. Yeah. Cause I mean, who knows, who knows if the, how fast humans developed our level of intelligence was fast or really slow. This could have been a super slow thing in the universal scheme of things. 
We don't yeah, have another standard. <laughs> um, so honestly, I I have a really hard time rating this. I almost give it like a five out of ten because I think it's possible, but I also think it totally could not be true. I do for sure think life is out there, even intelligent life. I would rate that like a nine out of ten. Um, but the fact that they have visited us, I think there can't be very many examples of it. And if there are, then it's still a far reach to think that they would have been able to get here based on how far away they are from us. And we're not counting. Uh, I got to give it a 10 out of 10. I, I've just read too much stuff from too many different cultures and seen it in too many studies. I love that. Read too many. stuff. like I, I if I'd be I'd be at a point where if somebody like if I died and some like weird angelic being was like, actually, humans are the only life and you're just this one microcosm for life to practice it out. I'd be like, you're kidding. There's no way. I'd be truly shocked. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd I, say that I, that's got to be impossible. Uh, I love that for you. You know, I I think that our ratings make sense uh, for us as people too. Um, I want to believe. <laughs> so everything's a five out of 10. See, it's um, easy to believe when you see something. <laughs> so ready to hear about some ciphers from this week that I forgot to mention? Let's do it. All right, so the symbols inside the UFO, uh, there's several of them. Hope you didn't just hear me almost break something. I totally did. Well, (laughs) uh, we have Probability Drive Engine, Probatorium, Blurg Bloth and Beyond, and... (laughs) Buzz Lightyear. Used Fathens Half Price. I bet with a little bit more time to try to think through all of these jokes, I might be able to get them, but uh, I'm not getting there right now. It's like used napkins half price. Gross. Oh, oh, I wonder. Hmm. So I wonder what the implication is by not spelling it napkins. Like Fathens like is a, a kind of like it's uh, alien enunciation. language. Okay. Going with alien language, right? Because yeah, weren't the be. ciphers from like the UFO part at the end? Yeah, yeah. They're well. They're inside the UFO spacecraft itself. Um. We've also got one that says specimen has escaped is changing forms. Ooh. A little bit odd on that one. I wonder if that's about that like changeling guy that we met earlier in the show. Whoa, that's interesting. That that could be referring to the changeling. Yeah, like yeah, what if the be. alien what if the alien brought the changeling and that's how they the alien crashed? That'd be wild. Um, do you want to know my favorite uh cipher of the whole show? What? Betty and Barney were here. Oh! You know the Betty and Barney story? Yes, I do. Is yes, that from all right. the Hopskinville Goblins? Uh, I don't think it was Hopskinville Goblins, but um, there's a very famous story, uh, for those of you who haven't heard, about a couple that claims to have just been driving on a road trip and believe that after... They got abducted by aliens. Yeah, they believe they got abducted by aliens, and when they got back, there was an undisclosed amount of time that was just gone from their lives. Um, I And then I think that they had memories, but they were very, like, fuzzy. Like, I don't know if this was something that happened, but all this time was gone. So, um, you know, I feel like this is something that happened. So it's a famous little story, and I love that they uh, alluded to it in Gravity Falls. It's super, super fun. Whoa, dude. Apparently under hypnosis... When they tried to get the guy to start talk talking about it, he broke down into hysterical sobbing and retold the story exactly as he told it consciously. 
<laughs> yeah, it gives you the chills, huh? Bro, how can you not? Like, I mean, look, that is just a story, and I don't know how to make about stuff like that, all things considered. Um, but when I hear stuff like Bob Lazar talking about, like, yeah, dude, I'm like, I'm an actual physicist with a degree, and I worked for the government on UFO spacecraft. I'm like, yeah, yeah I don't see any way around talking about that. <laughs> I don't know, man. Even doctors have coworkers they don't trust. I mean, sure, but. You know, I, I think at a certain point there's like, because the, the thing is like, why would you go through the trouble to do all that? He's not making any money from it. Maybe. I mean, he, he could be making money from it on documentaries. Dude, and... he just gets harassed. Well, I believe he just that's gets harassed all the time. He would just tell people it was fake if it would change his life, make his life more simple at this point. Yeah, that's interesting. So you, you wonder why if somebody was lying, they would hold on to it. The photographer who photographed Champ, the monster of Lake Champlain, her name's Sandra Mancy. And I've seen her in a bunch of documentaries. I believe that she did get a lot of attention from it and maybe even money. But she hates that photograph at this point, is tired of answering questions about it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you wonder, like, what's the reason? Is it because it's fake and you don't have the social energy to keep up with it anymore? Or yeah. is it because you released this thing and it just wasn't worth it because of all the ridicule that you got? I mean, the most um, famous Bigfoot picture was fake. True. Most famous Bigfoot video, even. The Patterson-Gimlin footage. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was another deathbed confession. And the most famous Nessie photo is also confirmed fake, unfortunately. Yeah. A lot of UFO photo. videos are fake. I just watched a Corridor Crew uh, video about them debunking a bunch of UFO videos online. Yeah, I mean, fun. because... People enjoy hoaxes, or they make like making hoaxes. Uh, yeah. And it, there was a time of history where sci-fi was so prevalent, and we yep. didn't have as good of technology, but there was enough technology to be able to fake things and not have people dispute it as much. I think. Well, I think that there were there are always people. The thing is, it's just who are you asking, right? Because a lot of people will take a video to like a pilot or a government agent and be like, is this real? It's like, no, dude, you should take that to somebody who like knows how to fake it. Like take it to a VFX artist. You know what I mean? Take it to somebody who actually works with the programs and can recognize it. Um, yeah. Uh, I I don't know, man. All of that. It's so hard to parse through. Um, yeah. But it is interesting. And I love lot, talking about aliens with you. I do too. A lot of videos are fake for sure. Um, yeah. but I mean, there's definitely some stuff. I mean, if we're again, like I like the parallel dimension theory, cause I've read from numerous reports from various cultures because I was interested in, it in college of people being like, yeah, there are like alien quote unquote people that just live in another dimension and can communicate to us telepathically and we can meet them in different realms of consciousness and space. And in I'm some like, ways it makes more sense because you don't have to rely on, uh, the travel part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Again, that was discussed in a previous episode, apparently, because Lou remembers those things and I don't. Uh, <laughs> I love this conversation. <laughs> I know. I, I do want to thank everybody for being here. Um, as always, uh, Gravity Bros can be found in the Brazilian Dragon podcast feed, which has many other rewatches of shows and movies. Um, you can find more of Lou and I by watching Jester Bros Cartoon Theater on YouTube. Follow us on social media with the links in the description. And the JBCT Discord is a great spot to get in touch with us and talk about the show. Um, please leave some five-star iTunes reviews. And thanks to Tessa Scarborough for our cover art. We'll see you all next week. Happy sleuthing. Peace. <laughs>